Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about national treasure. That is a national treasure. Why is why is that not the uh, why is that not your background always? <laughs> Can this photo be the photo for <laughs> the, the, the thumbnail for this episode? Sure. Yes! We've done it, everybody. I mean, it's already on the internet. Why not? There you go. Might as well. <laughs> Kayla, do you want to explain what this photo is? Well, they can see the thumbnail. Just oh, okay. <laughs> That's me gazing longingly into Nicolas Cage's eyes. There you go. Kylie, it's your birthday-ish. Kind of. Kylie, it's your birthday episode! It's the week of my birthday. It is the week of your birthday. Golden birthday. Josh, your golden birthday was your 17th birthday. No, I know that. I I, I know what the golden birthday is. Yeah. I'm just gonna make... uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I'm gonna make a guess. Because I'm gonna say there are some things that I don't know that I should know. And I'm going to try to I know I mean, them. I did question April 17th was the correct number. And then I was like, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the 19th. So I'm going to say 24? Nope. 23? Nope. 25? Yep. Okay, perfect. Josh, I am... I, am... I thought you were two years younger than Anne. Nope. We graduated okay. one year apart. Okay. There you go. 25. There it is. 25. 25 on 25. Nice. So, in honor of your golden birthday, we're going to watch 25 Nick Cage films this year and just rank them all. All right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Starting out with one. Can I count Mandy? Can I, since I watched that, too? No, you said this year. I watched it this year. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kylie. If you had to pick 25 Nick Cage films, what are we watching? Snake Eyes. Is this the inquiry of the... <laughs> Snake Eyes, Leaving Las Vegas, National Treasure, Raising Arizona, Um, Joe, Uh, (laughs) Not Mud, Uh, Kiss of the Vampire. (laughs) We're at six. It's gone in sixty seconds because that's coming to mind. Um, I think it's called Knowing. Um, the Family Man. Hmm, what else has he been in? I got some. I got someone who needs some. All right, I can do this. Um, Con Air, The Rock. I'm going through the the. the Nicholas Cage is an action star. <laughs> Bad Lieutenant, Port of New Orleans. <laughs> okay. How many do I have? Uh, twelve. Oh, I'm doing pretty darn well. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, keep it up, keep it up. Um, Mom and Dad. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Chuck. It's fine. I just wanted that movie to be better. Um, the Croods. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because that's because you said that. Yeah, I call. I did a good one there. Cameron Reynolds. Um, Emma Stone's also in that. Yep. Um. Uh, What's all that's coming to mind is a bunch of like straight to DVD things that he did. What do you got? Uh, face off? I don't even know what we're doing here anymore. If you can't get face off, <laughs> I want to take his face off. <laughs> what does he have? Needs, needed to switch. Needs to switch. John Travolta should be playing Caster Troy and he should just be boring the whole time. And Nicolas Cage should be the good guy. Who's evil? I've got Ghost Rider. Uh huh. Ghost Rider Two. No, we can only watch one. Oh, okay. There can only be one. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so I can't count Book of Secrets either. No. Okay. I'm not watching that again. <laughs> um, what is it? There's oh man, Left Behind. Uh huh. Not uh huh. That there was one of his last uh, like, theatrically released films. I'm gonna do Into the Spider Verse. <sighs> Yeah. I'm gonna do. I see. When I said the Croods, I was like, he did other voiceover work recently, and the only thing coming to mind was Teen Titans Go to the Movie, and I was like, he's not big enough part to be worthwhile. Can I count Snowden? No. 
That was his last theatrically released film. Uh, we only need seven more. We only need seven more to get to 25 Nick Cages. Uh, there are so many. Drive Angry. Oh, Drive Angry. That's a good one. Um, Isn't there one where he's like hunting witches or something too? I think that... <laughs> season of the Witch. Season, season, season of, of the Witch. Yep. All right, we need five more. But the question... I, okay. Oh, oh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, good. Yeah, thank uh-huh. you, Jerry. Yep. <laughs> good job, Brooks. done a bunch of other Disney stuff that I'm just not coming to mind. I don't really know. Um, how many more do we need? Four. Oh, man. Okay, can we start? Okay, no, let's do the two sequels. Book of Secrets <laughs> and Ghost Rider. So now we just need two. <laughs> uh-huh. I think he has one that's just called Rage. Sure. Because I think of it as Rage in the Cage. Did we get next? Oh, we didn't get, uh, I think we, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The Weatherman. Oh. Let's just get... Oh, and then there's Matchstick Men. Yeah. This is so yeah. wild, man. It's Matchstick all just Man's... flowing yeah, in. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Matchstick Men is a very boring film. Moonstruck. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> what are we even doing? <laughs> okay, we are here to talk about National Treasure. Do you have an inquiry of the half fortnight before I share my emotional story with this film? That's right, everyone. I have an emotional story with this film. Well, it is your birthday film, and then apparently you're saying that I picked it out. But I was like, no, I was like, did I pick this out? How yes. did I pick this out? Well, I made a comment. I don't, we were talking about it somehow. Because I was like, we should do a movie for your birthday, because we always do a movie for my birthday. And you're like, my birthday falls around the Oscars, so we like literally have to pair it with the Oscars episode. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine. I mean, I could, <laughs> I'm not going to go through all our texts. But, um, I had said something along the lines of, you know how you and Anne have, like, Indiana Jones? Uh-huh. I got Benjamin Gates. You got Benjamin <laughs> Gates. Yep. And so, oh man, there's Black Phillip. <laughs> all right, so anyway, apparently I picked this because I was, Kylie was like, I like Benjamin Gates. And I'm like, we should do this for your birthday because you love this movie. There you go. You do love this movie. Yeah. Is this movie on your top 100? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe ask you why, because if you think Independence Day should be on mine, maybe this should be on yours. I haven't watched this film probably since like 2008. I mean, that doesn't mean it's not <laughs> great to you. Okay, um, you, uh, no, my inquiry of the half fortnight, or the half squared fortnight is, what is your favorite Nick Cage performance, everybody? Or what's one that you very much enjoy? My favorite, sorry, I was not paying attention. Your favorite or one of your favorite Nick Cage performances? Mine is from... Or oh, sorry, gone in, 60... <laughs> gone in sixty seconds is what I, I was going to like. Do. Gone in sixty seconds, it'd definitely be up there. But raising Arizona to me is the is a director directors finding a good use of the Nicolas Cage style. It's very early in his career. It's kind of before he really buries into or drills down deep into doing the same thing and doing what he does. Um, but they take his kind of over-the-top manic energy and they managed to make it into this really kind of complex and compelling character of high and he's just the film is a cartoon in so many ways and so to use Nicolas Cage in the way that they do I just think is really great and it makes sense that Cage never wanted to work with the Coen brothers again after Raising Arizona they butted heads a lot Cage has a very strong-headed person and I would imagine they are very strong-headed people about what they want on their film as well too so but Raising Arizona my favorite Nick Cage performance Leave me Las Vegas. Ah, there you go. His Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, I know that that's, like, a pretty standard <laughs> statement. But you were like, okay, so they kind of hold him back from going too big. Uh-huh. Now, in Leaving Las Vegas, they let him go big, but correctly. Ah. Uh-huh. Leaving Las Vegas is one of those ones where he gets to be a little bit crazy. And one of the scenes that I especially think about him kind of being, like, at his most self is when he's in the grocery store shopping for alcohol. 
And he's like just dancing through the aisles, and I'm just like, look at this cage. Look how fun he's having, planning to drink himself to death. Yep. But so Did you know, it's a good movie. It's, as one yeah. does. Well, I think that that's the thing about Nicolas Cage is that when used correctly, he can give a, a useful performance to a film. And I've chosen my words there carefully because I. I'm going to make a bold statement that I generally don't think Nick Cage is a very good actor. I think he's a movie star, I think he's compelling on screen, and I think he does one thing. But I think that that thing can be used really well with the right direction and script. And, and a lot of times you just don't see it done very well. You just let the, have the director's just let him go a little bit crazy. Uh, I will say something that is true about Mandy, which is a film that I personally struggled with just because it doesn't, it's not totally in my taste. However, um, I like his performance. It's a good use of Nicolas Cage and what he does. And, and so it's just about knowing your performer and knowing what they can and can't do and knowing their limitations. And I think a lot of times people don't. They just want to buy into that Nick Cage brand of quote-unquote crazy. That's exactly what happens. Is that So like if you give him too much free reign as in the vampire's kiss you get him <laughs> jumping on a table, singing, is yelling, I never misplaced anything! Not once! Not one time! It goes in alphabetical order! A, B, C, D, E, F, G! Love it. H! Love it. Love it. <laughs> I just feel like... I just feel like it's... Uh, it, it, it gives me some light that someone so manic can make a career out yeah. of it. I mean, it helps that he had those Coppola jeans running through him. Listen! But... It'll only pull you so far! It's a true story. Okay, so. Here we are. Oh, if you want to answer the inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, where you can leave us a five-star review or any star review. That helps us get new listeners. Also helps us get new listeners. Hit that subscribe button. Bing, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now, on with the show. Okay. All right, so where should we start here? Uh, you have a story. I do. I'm trying to figure out the words. So when this came out, loved it. Fourth grade, maybe a fifth grader, loved this film. Greatest film ever made. I was on board. It was an adventure. We're talking about history. I'm all about it. We buy the DVD. Have it for several years. And then, so in eighth grade, the sequel comes out. November 2004 is when the first one comes out. November 2004. So I'm in fifth grade. So, in 8th grade... Second one, December 2007. The 20th. The 20th or the 21st? 21st. 21st is the only one that makes sense. And so, uh, it is... It's the first day of winter break. And so, I I believe it's Thursday the 20th. The first day of winter break. And so, my mom is at work. My dad is at work. I don't know where my brother is, but I'm home alone. An eighth grader home alone, right? Mm-hmm. I can survive. And you got Nick Cage. <laughs> and I get a phone call. Um, and it was from an old baton teammate who had called to tell me that one of my friends had been murdered the night before. And so you're an eighth grader, right? And you don't know how to emotionally process this. And you're home alone. And... For some reason, I didn't call my mom and ask her to come home. I think because I would have felt guilty if she had to leave work. And so I'm at home and I'm freaking out because I have no idea how to handle something like that. And so what I do is I watch National Treasure like six times that day. Pretty much up until it had to have been a Thursday because I had a hockey game that night. And so and that was always on Thursday nights. And so... I watch it until my mom comes home. I don't talk to her about it until after the game. But I'm just sitting there watching National Treasure on a loop. 
for so many hours because I was like, what do I do? How do I deal with this? And I, I, I assume watching National Treasure six times in a day, not an answer. <laughs> well, you know. But. Everybody's got their coping <laughs> mechanisms. Uh, and that's just, that is a memory that I really have with this film is that that is the thing I turn to when on one of the worst days of my life. And I just remember like, that's where this film is in my heart of like, I was a little kid, I loved the adventure. I was distressed and this is what I turned to. And here we are, 10 years later. 10 years later. 11 years later. 2007, 11 years later. Mm. Here we are. So Josh, why do you hate this film? Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's not it's not interesting to me um no that's not necessarily true uh at 2004 was when national treasure comes out so it's my first college thanksgiving is when this movie is out and uh i don't know I didn't... So, okay, I think for me, where my history with National Treasure starts is I definitely saw it in theaters. I definitely did not see the sequel in theaters. I don't think I've seen all of the sequel. I do know that I have seen some of the sequel because there's a scene with Bruce Greenwood that I thought was in this movie that's apparently in the second one. Oh, so... sorry. Spoilers. Gotta go back to my story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about your yeah, story. Yeah, I don't care either. It's fine. <laughs> yep. And so, like... So the film comes out. So I get that phone call on the 20th of December. The following day it comes out. And I th I don't really know if my parents stayed on for what happened on Friday. That's all a mystery um, during the day. But I, I don't know if my mom stayed. My dad definitely went to work. But when my dad came home, he came home early. And he took me to go see that film, the sequel, because... They thought, like, we got to get Kylie out of the house because I think my parents were also not prepared for this incident. Right. They did. They did wonderful. Great job, everyone. Um, but I just remember, like, my dad being like, hey, let, like, not me being like, dad, can we go see this movie? My dad was the one who was like, hey, let's go see that. And so, like, that's also a precious memory. Nice. Nice. Man. Man, maybe National Treasure is the secret to my maybe family. It maybe it is. <laughs> Um, and by the way, the second one, seen it once. <laughs> I never went back, never felt the need to. Never were like, Bruce Greenwood, I need you more in my life. Bruce, Bruce Greenwood, trying to play all the government positions? Yes, at one time. Well, not all at once. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I saw it and it, it's, it's a very derivative film from other Bruckheimer films that include Pirates of the Caribbean, which came out the year before, the first one, uh, The Crystal Black Pearl, as well as even stuff like The Rock and Armageddon and Con Air and just a lot of Bruckheimer productions. So this is kind of late Bruckheimer in that era where he was doing a lot of things and it just didn't hit that well. I agree with Kylie in that sense of like, man, this idea of running through history is really interesting. I just don't know if it pays off that well for me personally. Found it! You did? Yes. What'd you find? Tuesday, November 13th, 1.44pm. Alright. Josh, I think we should do National Treasure for your birthday episode this year. Wouldst thou like to see it? I mean, yes, <laughs> sure, I said it, but it was because you were, like, talking, because you liked the film. Well, yeah, because I said, you know how you and Anne are about Indiana Jones? I'm all about Ben Gates. That's what my statement was. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I guess in terms of, like, the letter of the land. That's what matters, Josh. There's a, there's a C... I national treasure. Are you trying to pull some BS that this is my episode? Because <laughs> no, no, no. I just want it to be clear and on the record that Josh suggested this film for you. For me. <laughs> this is a birthday <laughs> gift to you, my friend Kylie. <sighs> Okay, here we are. Sorry, my arch nemesis, Kylie. Okay, so now I can actually pay attention because it's no longer looming all over oh, my great. soul. Oh, great. Oh, perfect. 
Um, we've got some expectations. We've got some of the first stories. Uh, we watched. We we did. We watched this together. We 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 had an experience of life where we watched National Treasure together. Yeah, I thought I was going to be able to quote this movie a lot better than I did. You were you were so close. <laughs> I, you were paraphrasing uh-huh. some, and yeah. it was kind of upsetting. It's kind of like when you're in a play, you forget your lines. Just like say as best as you can. Yeah, right. Yeah, to it's your close. Best. There were some lines that you knew that I was like. That's an oddly specific <laughs> line. Like, that's the one where Justin Barth is in the back seat of the car. This car smells weird. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, oh. I can explain why I know that line specifically because when we drove down to regional, we drove to California for regionals. Now, regionals was this big baton competition where we went against everyone on the West Coast. So it was like Washington. Oregon, some Idaho, some Nevada. I know that they're not on the West Coast, but you get my picture. They're usually with us, yeah. In California. And so we drove there for this baton competition. And, like, we were in the back of my brother's brand new car. And so I kept saying that line. I was like, are we there yet? I'm bored. This car smells weird. And I'm surprised my parents didn't get rid of me. (laughs) Well, you know, much like... Justin Bartha, the child, they, they also had some, you know, reverence for you. <laughs> During that trip, I also only had one CD, and it was American Idiot. So, learn those lines pretty quickly. You were just mainlining national treasure quotes in American Idiot? <laughs> yeah. You're a gem. You were a gem of a human. And so, <laughs> that's why I, that, that was a line that stuck in my soul. <sighs> <laughs> my favorite parts of National Treasure uh-huh. are when Nick Cage tries to act like an actual human. <laughs> like, there is definitely... I mean, I wish I had some of the specifics, but there is definitely line readings in this film where you're like... You can tell Nick is like, I have to... Be normal. I have to be the normal one. This is like his most with, like, like withdrawn performance. Maybe. That's like why everyone was like, he's crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about, National Treasure? Yeah, he's... he's- <laughs> He's crazy because he's trying to be a normal human and he doesn't know how. You ever heard of the preservation room? Is that where they keep the jams and jellies? Oh man, where you gotta leave this? This is I this is you. This you're one? you're on board. Okay. Okay. Wait. Oh, hang on. Before you leave this though, uh, my favorite thing was when so the reveal of Nick Cage and Sean Bean in this movie and you're sitting there and you're like oh do you see they reverse the colors <laughs> Nick Cage is in the black coat Sean Bean's in the white coat they reverse the black hat white hat theory <laughs> where do you even talk I mean this film uh, this genre of like these adventure films, they are nothing new. Yeah. And no- National Treasure is doing nothing really new with it. They're setting it in America and using American history, which. I which mean, is a good concept. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, I, like, in that text where I said, like, Indiana Jones, Benjamin Gates, that's essentially all yes. this is, is that it's a less well made version of an Indiana Jones film. And so. They try to input these action moments within this film, and I'm watching them, and I'm like, I know that Nicolas Cage was once an action piece. <laughs> that is a statement to be true. He still kind of is. However, not, however, he is um, not really an action hero, not in the way that Harrison Ford is. Yeah. And, and Harrison Ford in these Indiana Jones films, he's not like, he's not as actiony as action people go but he is doing action sequences in them it'd be interesting to take a look at so okay nicholas cage action star mm-hmm. we've got i would say there's probably like five or six like really big entries in it so you can include national treasure you can include face off, face off con, con air, air the rock the rock and i'm gonna include gone in 60 seconds because it made a lot of money and also kept it going. Uh-huh. Um, so if you have those characters, like, what's the Nick Cage type? You've got Benjamin Gates. You've got uh, Cameron Poe. You've got uh, Reigns is his last name in Gone 60 Seconds. Um, I can't remember his first name. Caster Troy. Caster Troy in Face Off. Mm-hmm. And what's the one we're missing? His character in The Rock. I don't know his name. No, I don't know. 
But what are the, like, what's the type? Like, that's the interesting thing. It's like, because if, like, you say a Stallone type, a Schwarzenegger type, or even Vin Diesel, The Rock, Statham. Keanu. You kind of know what it is that you're getting into. Mm -hmm. The the thing that Nicolas Cage is, is that he is like, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Bruce Willis, okay. Especially like first Die Hard Bruce Willis, where he's even less than that. Where Die Hard Bruce Willis is just this average guy, he's a police officer who gets thrown into this like hyper realistic situation. And with even and with Nicolas Cage, it's like even a step back from that, where it's just this even more of an average Joe man who is put into these bigger situations but not as big as even what Die Hard is doing right um and so like the action that I mostly think about him doing like Gone in 60 Seconds his action is driving for the most part and so like you like Samuel L. Jackson does that in Winter Soldier like we, we we a lot of different people can do that kind of thing but when we get to something like um the Rock and Con Air, he's fighting some people, but nothing like extreme. And even like with a uh, face-off, most of his action there is just gunplay. And so yes. like he's 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 like an average man doing a little bit more than what an average man does. I also wonder if maybe there's a little bit of I'm I'm looking up The Rock right now to see because it's been a long time since I've seen it. A mild-mannered chemist mm-hmm. is who he is. Um, and an ex-con must lead a counter-strike against a rogue group of military men. Okay, so The Rock doesn't fit this that well, but at least from Con Air, Face Off, Gone in 60 Seconds, and National Treasure. What's interesting about this seems to be, as, 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 I like your, your Bruce Willis comp, as opposed to the Stallone Schwarzenegger comp, because what I think that there's a lot of things that are true in Nicolas Cage action films is that there's an element of family danger or familial love, therefore it adds this extra melodramatic element to it all. Mm-hmm. Because in um, in Con Air, he is trying to get back to his family. And he's trying to, you know, he was fight, save, fighting for his love of his life and he went to jail and now he's got to get back to them. In Face Off, it's a really similar, he's like fighting to save his family from crazy old John Travolta. In Gone in 60 Seconds, he's trying to save his brother from evil Christopher Eccleston. Mm-hmm. In National Treasure, the whole emotional subplot to it is the same as the last crusade he's trying to connect with his father connect with his father and so i think by adding these extra melodramatic elements to it you're allowing nick cage to live in his more heightened reality and therefore i think that helps define his type a little bit more because even running through those characters there's not a lot of similarities in them which i guess could be a true like if you look at those characters on pages, there's not a lot of similarities, but his performance is really similar in all of them. And it's just that specific Nick Cage type. Although I do like the idea that somebody's like, you know, who do we need to play a chemist? Nicholas Cage? Great. Done. <laughs> well, you know, who else is going to do it? Yeah, right? Um, I, and I think that I, like, the action of this film... It's him sometimes running from a yeah, guy. Yeah, there's not even a lot of explosions. Listen, it's a Bruckheimer film. I came for explosions. There's only one. Yeah, right? It's like a Highlander. And it's super early. Mm-hmm. And all he does to escape it is get into the, the bottom of the ship. The film is structured really weird with its action beats. Uh, it starts out... Uh, to me, the two kind of big action sequences are the start of the film where they are, as you're saying, they're in a ship and they're trying to get... mm, They're trying to get a a pipe from the Charlotte. There you go. And so then, like, it all goes south. Sean Bean is shockingly the villain and things blow up. It's hard to tell that he's going to be the villain based on their clothing choices. Fair. Fair, fair. I mean, you're right. And then the next big action set piece that we get to is smack dab in the middle of the film... 
maybe even the beginning half, and John Turtletop tries to do all of Ocean's Eleven in about 20 minutes. Is that after they found the Benjamin Franklin glasses and they're running through the streets and like... This is where they're trying to steal the Declaration. Oh! Yeah. I, I argue that there is then maybe three and a half action sequence. I will give you half an action sequence beyond this. <laughs> For The rest of it might add up to one action sequence. <laughs> they're running through the streets. He's on a rooftop. He jumps off the rooftop somehow. Okay, but the way that it's put together is like... We're, it's so slowly paced that you're like, oh, they're running over here, they're running over here, and literally like, he jumps off the rooftop and you don't see it. It pans over to Goomba, and then he's like, where'd he go? And then they're like, ah, oh, he's gone! And then you cut to him on the bottom. Like, and then Abigail is hiding in the meat place from the crazy looking guy. Good scene. Good scene. <laughs> I'm hiding from my ex-husband. I gotcha. Like, Women looking out for women. No. We have been standing together since 2004. Good scene. Love it. Uh, and then Jason Bartha runs but, to the hangover and is never seen again. Okay, so then, yes, you've got that sequence where they're trying to get the glasses. Mm -hmm. And then the end of the film is they find the treasure room and they gotta go down into it or whatnot and there's like people falling and basically it's like let's take a jaunty walk down into a cave and then we're gonna betray each other again. The elevator breaks! Oh no! He has to throw Abigail in order to save the Declaration of Independence! Oh. <laughs> she would have done the same to him! Really? Like, it's... It... And then the end, when when all of that's done, because like, okay, so we can't even end on a, on a stupid action sequence. Like, Sean Bean goes away, traps them forever in the cave, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. We were supposed to be here the whole time. I'm going to put this ship inside and spin it. Oh. That's because John Boyd gives them a faulty clue. Yeah. A faulty clue yeah. that doesn't even exist in all of American history. Yeah, right? Yeah. Paul Revere's not that special of a person. they're dumb. Yeah. They don't know anything. They don't know anything. Yeah, they don't know anything about American history. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fallacy. All right. Uh, uh, top three scenes of the film. Here we go. Scene number one. Scene number one... The scene where she hides in the in the meat counter with the sandwich lady. Boom. Okay. Best scene of the movie. Scene number two. Scene number two. Uh, after the end of all things, like, guys trying to, like, clean up, notices the hand of the skeleton that's been out there. All of a sudden, boom, boom, Nick Cage busts through a gravestone. Uh, do you got a cell phone I can use? <laughs> <laughs> scene three. Top three scene. Here it is. Justin Bartha knows about daylight savings time. Like, come on. Come on. It's not like you're in a time crunch or anything, Justin. No, you play your bit for days. Don't, don't you, you act like you wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would. That's why. That's why. Oh. My top three scenes. No, I'm I so like the one. No, I'm gonna give mine. Ah, uh, this was these were statements. This isn't like an opinion. Like this those is are an opinion oh, okay. piece. Oh, okay. National treasure is just an opinion piece. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. Um, I like the scene where he's like trying to steal the Declaration of Independence, and he goes into the gift shop, and that woman's like, "Are you trying to steal that?" <laughs> and then he doesn't have any cash. Scene number one. Uh, scene number two. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe when they, like, discover there's actually a map on the back of the Declaration of Independence, and John Voight's like, told ya, you need heat. It's so, so, how does he even see it? He's all the way across the room! It's their reaction. They're like, oh. It's like the reaction of a parent watching John a Boyd child open. John did not opens. give two craps about being in this movie. Josh! Some people sure didn't. <laughs> Neither did Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Paycheck? Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I will. Bartha tried. Bartha um, was there for it, okay? I really also like the scene where we're introduced to Abigail, and she's just like, oh, you crazy people. Get out of my <laughs> office. Did, is, did Bigfoot take the pipe? 
what is your number one biggest uh, biggest uh, com- complaint against the movie? You said it when we were watching. Did I now? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Can I have a hint? It has to do with Abigail and that scene. Maybe it might be a, a coda to that scene later, but... Oh, that she... Okay, my biggest complaint yeah. with the film... Yeah. Here's the biggest fallacy. <laughs> I believe, sure, you tell me there's a map on the back of the Declaration of Independence, guess who's not arguing there? My biggest complaint of this is that Nicolas Cage is looking at the George Washington political buttons, right? Uh-huh. Like, great. And she says, don't touch those or I'll cut off your fingers and shove them down your throat. Actual line from the movie. Yeah, that's her actual line in this children's movie. Uh, yeah, this movie's rated PG. <laughs> Yeah, Shaw falls to his death. <laughs> Just gonna say that. That's maybe why. Uh, also, they're shooting at him. They're, they're some guns. No, I always think it's PG, not PG-13. <laughs> okay. Like, uh... Well, yeah, kids can handle it. <laughs> oh, you're turning your tone there. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Spielberg has police officers aiming aiming guns at yeah. E.T. children. It's fine. Um, the whole world's terrifying. So she's like, don't touch my... Don't touch my buttons! And so then he sends her, like, the last button that she needs. And what does she do? She touches it. Yeah. She's all like, Ooh, look how cool it is! You know, you tell... Here's what you do. You want... You want... You want to get that stuff on her fingers? You wrap the... You put the box that you're gonna put this in. You smother that in your goop stuff. She's gonna touch that. She's gonna touch that, in fact, with all of her fingers. That's the thing. You put, like... You... But with a button, two fingers could touch it. Like, one hand, in fact, could just touch it. Like, also, the fact that she rubs her fingers all over it, that's stupid. You put it on the box. (laughs) Kylie. Yes? You had said to me, at one point, I think, maybe this was even on mic, (laughs) that one of the three relationships you care about the most (laughs) in cinema is Benjamin Gates and and Abigail. (laughs) Yeah, because I just don't care about a ton of relationships in films. I think the one I said was number one. I think, I'm pretty sure my number one is um, Maria and Captain Von Trapp. Yes. Yeah. Like, that. that's there. But, like, I feel like if you went to my 100 favorites list, you wouldn't find very many, like, lovey-dovey films. That's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not. And so I don't care about I'm relationships. I'm not questioning that fact of this. Okay, what's up? I need you to tell me, besides, <laughs> like... Breath. Besides, like, we have heat and we're children and we think this is romantic. What? Give, give, give me some scenes. What are three? Can you give me three scenes where they actually have romantic moments in this film? Because by the end of this film, they're together. Wait. Barth is like, ah, you get the girl. Ah. Wait, am I allowed to ca- count the scene where they discover there's a map on the back? Can I count that scene? Am I allowed to? If you have to. All right, that's one. Oh, great. Changing their clothes. That's romantic? Yeah. They got some chemistry. There's some banter. Yeah, there's some banter. Pithy banter. It's all I need. Okay, great. Uh Uh-huh. What else you got? Why does he care about this person? Why does she care about him? Well, she just sent me a button. Aww. I'm playing the film in my head. Okay. All right, so we've changed our clothes. Now we're going to Independence Hall. We pull out the declaration. We're like, oh my gosh, isn't it so like incredible? The last time this was here, it was being signed. Probably not a true statement, but all right. Um, and they go up there. Da, da, da. Uh, yeah, it's just the two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, kiss together forever. I just want, no, no. They've broken up by the time the... Second one comes out. Uh-huh. It's they are aware that this relationship is built on nothing, and they address that. Joshua, so Diane Kruger didn't want to be in the next one. No, she's in it. Oh, they just broke up. It's the thing. No, you hear me out. Okay. This is what every film does when okay. there's a sequel. When they get together, they have to film. break up before the middle, the second one, because it's like maybe we'll get back together again. Yeah. That is how these movies work. That's how these the the older actually yeah say yeah. So you take your statement and you shove it. No, it's a valid statement. <laughs> but I was young and dumb and like, I don't know, I <laughs> they have intellectualism together. But yeah, that relationship doesn't work. And the, like 
there's not nothing of that relationship of what we've seen. And we are led to believe that that final scene where they're together, they have, I guess they kiss in the middle of it. Yeah, but happily ever after. That's what happens. Like, yeah. when you're in intense situations, apparently, you always kiss. Thank goodness Rogue One didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that Good is, call. That is like... Good call. That's, that's how... Well, which is why, like, you had said the sentence that, like, that's how all these movies work. You kiss and then you break up by the time the sequel comes around. And I was like... Oh, yeah, that is how they... Because I feel like it's a trope that they've gotten away from now. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they're going to break up the couple in the second one now, we need to... We see it happen more often than not. Because they need... Because in the first one, you have the will they, won't they. And yes. then, like, in the sequel, it's like, maybe they'll get back together. Because you, like, they just remake... Because, they remake yeah. the tension again. Because sequels in older older sequels were not necessarily like let's further a story, which is why I think that like the Star Wars trilogy, for a very long time, was held up as like the trilogy because it didn't bother remaking the first film every time over. It tried to tell a complete story, and now we do that more often. But but the older thing was we kind of just got to make the same movie again. And hopefully it'll make them enough money. I guess another movie couple I really care about is Ed and Lorraine Warren. From The Conjuring? Yeah. Great, yeah. I mean, like, that's, what, that's what those films are. It's yeah. like, we're dealing with our marriage. On board, yeah. But ghosts. But ghosts, yeah. And demons. Um, so, I, I really want to love adventure films. And, like, this is a film that is designed in its conception for me to like it because even the year prior like there is something magical about Curse of the Black Pearl like that movie for all of its flaws and for all the things that I want to say about all the people that are in it and for all the sequels that drag everything in that franchise down Curse of the Black Pearl is a magical movie and it's that sense of adventure and that Bruckheimer was able to capture it for a long time because like I do love a lot of the older, like the 90s Bruckheimer stuff that helped put together this adventure genre, this playing from, you know, I like the callbacks to Indiana Jones here, this let's go find a treasure and solve the mystery and beat the bad guys. Goonies. It's really fun. I don't like Goonies. Um, but this Goonies and this one, uh, more specifically the National Treasure, is just it just misses the mark. And for a lot of that is, I'm going to put my nerd glasses on here for a second, it's because I don't really think they bothered to care about American history. They just were like, this is the shallow end of the American history pool. Let's all just play here. And I was like, I bet if you did some research, you actually could have found some really cool things to talk about. Well, and they create the secret society, uh, which I'm kind of like... The Illuminati? Well, let me get to my point. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So they create the the secret society, and the thing about the American history is that... Do they have tattoos? Are they right here? No, they're not three-leaf clovers because they're not special. Oh, sorry, go on. Secret society. They create the secret society, which, like... In and of itself, if you can do something interesting with it, that's a great concept to even start with. But I, 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 well, as a as an adult watching this film, yes, they don't actually look into really anything of American history mm-hmm. other than like, like let, the real clues here. I'm just let's, yeah, let's, let's just, lay it out. There's, Solve the mystery. There's the Charlotte, which is the ship that probably came from Britain. No. That holds no real consequences for American history. Yeah. So there's one. The secret lies with Charlotte. Okay. Okay. Then there's the Declaration of Independence. All right. The Declaration of Independence. A pretty darn important uh, document. Uh-huh. You don't, you don't do anything with the document itself. It's just there's a map. on you, you choose one of the most important documents and you put a map on the back of it. Give me the document and have the code written inside of there somewhere. Yep. They do that with the science good do good letters, but whatever. Um, then silence do good letters, which like probably the deepest into history they go. Yep. Is that Benjamin Franklin went under this pen name and wrote some letters. Yeah. Which that's good. That that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but like the declaration itself is no, of no consequence. It's just that we need something difficult to get so you can get a map. Yeah. 
And then after that, and then even the stuff with the Liberty Bell the Liber- is is bonkers. Yes, like, I don't. I guess I don't know when money was designed, but for some reason, I don't think that they knew to put that time specifically. Yeah, and if they did know to put that oh, time, you mean you could take a water bottle and use it as a magnifying yeah, glass? Yeah, that doesn't work either. No. Yeah, and then you get the you get the glasses, and on the back of the Declaration of Independence, there's more yeah. of a clue. There's just. There, the, the the only thing that is not shallow American history is the silence do good letter. But even listening through all that, like the mystery itself is just messy, mm-hmm. you know. And so there is a lot of shiny gloss to it, and I think that there is some house in stone. We got that question wrong at trivia. It was n- not, it's not Pennsylvania. No, it was, it was Vermont. Vermont. It's true story. It's okay. Uh, I got the question of that round. I needed to get right, mm. which was. Uh, Yom Kippur. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, we did... Dude, we got a perfect music round and doubled. We also got 12 in uh, Random Knowledge. We got two other perfect rounds. We got 82 total points. And we still got second. That sucks. It's fine. It's good. I'm on board with it. But, like, it was a good quiz, everybody. But, yeah. We'll get you, Westeros. Anyway... Uh, I think it's a good shiny movie. There's just not a lot of depth to it. And if there's not a lot of, like, if you're not into the characters, and for me, the only character that I'm on board with is Justin Bartha. <laughs> Petulant child, Justin Bartha. Riley Poole. Riley Poole. Mr. Riley Poole. Yeah, he kind of gets the short end of the stick in the second one. Is he in it very much? He, he is, but the big joke about him is that he's not Benjamin Gates, so no one really cares about him. Hmm. In like society, because he writes he writes this book that's like my adventures, yeah. And they're like, oh, you're Benjamin, and he's like, well, no. And they're like, see ya. Sad day. Bye. Helen Mirren's his dad or his mom. (laughs) Kylie, do you have any uh, any other thoughts you wanted to share about National Treasure? Nope. All right. Uh, It's streaming on Netflix and has been for a very long time, friends. So you can probably still watch it there, Kylie. Yeah. In lieu of... Are you going to give me 10 interesting facts? I'm not giving you 10 interesting facts about Detroit this time. Uh, Last time wasn't about Detroit either. You did... Listen, those were interesting facts. You... Listeners... Mm -hmm. Listeners, this was like a month ago at this point. You can... You can tell us how interesting those Oscar facts were. All right? Kylie, you've unlocked a list. All right. Here we go, Kylie. American history. The top (laughs) 10... Highest grossing Nicolas Cage films. Is this on here? Uh, National Treasure is on there. Number three. Face Off. Six. What? Man, I'm in for a ride. (laughs) Con Air. Uh, Eight. Con in 60 seconds. Seven. The Rock. Four. Uh, so, yeah, four, yeah. The Croods? Two! Spider-Man? No. Okay. Book of Secrets? One. There we go. One by a long shot. 219 million to 187 for The Croods. I'm gonna make a statement. Yeah. Okay? Now, yeah, folks out there don't need to agree with me, but you need to just consider it into your hearts. Okay. Five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. There's only two of these? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Should yeah. I, I said there should be seven National Treasure <laughs> movies, Kylie? Okay, because it'll get better starting at five. Um, you are missing five, six, nine, ten. Five, six, nine, ten. The Family Man. Twelve. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was Christmas people would go and yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, are they good? <laughs> One of them certainly not. Two of them are not. Oh, Leaving Las Vegas must not be there. Leaving Las Vegas is... Raising Arizona's not there. 24. Moonstruck? Moonstruck is there. Moonstruck is 9. I like Moonstruck. Um, Is that the one you were certainly not or maybe not? Moonstruck is part of the good. Oh, okay. Wait. <laughs> How many? Wait. I don't like Moonstruck. That doesn't mean it's a bad film. <laughs> I was sorry. I thought you said a blanket statement of all of them were bad. How many more do I need? 
three. You need ten. You need five and six. Are they all bad? Uh, I own one of them. I like one of them. Ghost Rider. It's five. I don't own or like that movie. Ghost Rider 2. It's not. Uh, it's 16. Okay. I'm looking for Raising Arizona. It's 31. Down yeah, because that made like a nickel. <laughs> exactly. Five cents. Yeah. All right. Um. $22 million. I just need two more. You need number six and number 10. Can I get a hint on number 10? Uh, it is easily the worst of this bunch. Did not know that it went into theaters. Um, Left behind. Nope. I Rage. knew that one went there. Next. Um, knowing. Knowing. Bingo. <laughs> there it is. $79 million for knowing. Uh, number six. You forgot this movie when we were listing Nick Cage movies earlier. It I was thought I already said Face Off. Oh, did you say Face Off? Yeah. Number six. There it is. Yep. You got there. All right. You did it. I did it. Yeah. There's a weird thing on this list that I don't know why it's here. So there is... He's apparently a voice in G-Force, which is grayed out, but if it was there, it would fall as his number five. I don't know why it's grayed out. Grayed but... out is that you are in it, but you're not a very important character, okay. or you're not... Like... Got it. Yeah. So that I did not count count that either. Because like Mich- or like you're a cameo. Yeah. That doesn't count. Okay. Perfect. All right, so everyone. he just might not have a big great part in G Force. I think he's the the human. Of, or no, he's not the human. He's a voice of something. Who cares? He has a voice. Yeah. Anyways, everyone, I haven't seen G Force. I don't need it in my life. <laughs> if you want to come in contact with us, we'll tough crap because this, this is the end. We're going to end on not, this note. It's not the end. Why? We've already recorded an episode that airs after this. <laughs> hey, friends, if you want to join this conversation. Maybe you should just learn to trust me. Maybe I'm like Nicolas Cage in knowing. I know what's going to happen. Next. <laughs> if you want to join this conversation. And why wouldn't you? It's so friendly. You can do so. Wouldn't you put Ghost Rider as one of his action films? It was of an era, and I don't remember when Ghost Rider came out. I'm going to say 2006. So it's probably, it was probably right after that era that I was thinking. Because in my brain, Ghost Rider is like the start of like, ooh, Nicolas Cage is just an awful actor and he's just going to be that way. 2007. Seven. Same year as Book of Secrets. Same year as Book of Secrets. What's yeah. Bentley's in it? Oh, good job. He plays Wes. Blackheart. Does he also have a weird beard? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, well, fair enough. Friends, if you want to join this conversation, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We'll give us a five-star review or any star review. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> That's a weird sound you made them listen to. You can also, and that helps us get new listeners. <laughs> I'm not sure how we think this gets us new listeners, but we're really hoping it will. It doesn't. <laughs> You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast and Twitter at... Man, I really wish there was another podcast we could be putting on Friend of a Friend Podcasts. Uh, Anne will get there. Twitter at... What if I don't believe she will? Twitter at... BWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. RBACT and Kelly Gallagher. Thank you so much. I've been Justin Bartha in the backseat of a car driven by Nicolas Cage. I think I might be John Voight slumming it through. <laughs> Quack, 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 quack.